Oh shoot, oh, your boy did it again. You're now listening to Bobby and Friends. Bobby and Friends. Bobby and Friends. Hey everybody, uh, this is Bobby and welcome to another episode of Bobby and Friends. This is season 2, episode 11. Um, and, you know, sort of today, th- there's a lot of various things that I'm going to be discussing and talking about. Um, I, I didn't, it's not going to be much of a movie review in, in the way in which I've done film reviews uh, in the sort of the previous episodes. Um, although I, I did watch um, sort of a, a CBS 60-minute um, segment that did get me to start thinking about a lot of various things about what's happening in our society and sort of where we're moving forward. Um, but before I sort of talk about that, um, you know, the other day I, I was having uh, dinner with some friends of mine um, who happened to be international students. Um, and uh, we got to speaking and to just talking about various things. And um, also, as you know, a lot of times when uh, Ilvino is involved, uh, for those of you who don't know Italian, you just go on Google and search up Ilvino. Um, and when that's involved, you know, you start talking about very deep and, and just <laughs> sort of conversations that you maybe may not get to um, all the time. But and it was fascinating. You know, we are all from different parts of the world and, and we're sort of talking about sort of our relationship with our parents in terms of how we discuss about struggles and traumas and the things that we're experiencing today as in our generation, right? And, and sort of the different generational response and reaction to these various social strifes, um, social struggles, and, and just various things that we experience, um, and how to find the value in both of our experiences, right? Um, and sort of the conversation was relating to um, sort of how at times, you know, I'll speak for myself, you know, there are certain things I was going through sort of uh, growing up in the U.S. and whatnot, um, instances of racial bias or, or uh, racially uh, motivated instances, if you could put them that way. Um, and it was difficult to have those conversations with my father, who happens to be African, right? Uh, because for him, sort of when you're talking about the concept of race, it's 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 very far removed uh, from his day-to-day uh, identification of himself. Um, he doesn't really uh, look at himself in through the, the racial prisms and lenses that I do because I grew up in this country. Um, and so race is, is very integral to my identity. And so anytime growing up, I experienced something, and whether it was at school, whatever it may have been, that's sort of inspired by sort of race, right? Speaking to him, it was a bit difficult because I think for him, it was the idea of sort of experiencing something like racism. To him, it just seemed like a weird thing in a way, if you will, in that, ah, you know, people can be racist. Ah, they can say stuff like that, you know, just kind of move on. What else? What do you want to do with that? Um, And for him, it was always a thing where I, I think for him growing up, he felt like, well, he doesn't feel, but I know, like, the, the things that he went through and the struggles that he experienced were at an extremely different magnitude than the ones that I'm experiencing. It's just we're experiencing them in different ways, right? I'm experiencing new and different struggles than he experienced. Um, and because of that difference and because of the different settings that we are in, um, in our youth and growing up, it's hard for us to relate each other's struggles and each other's problems sometimes and it was interesting because I was speaking to to these friends of mine and we're all sort of talking about you know our some of our parents generations like 
some of the things that were they were going through was so front and center, like on their front doors, right? Um, at times, situations being life and death. Um, and for me, it's not necessarily that, right? Granted, there are times, um, you know, where there's possible life and death situation involved, you know, if I'm driving or um, wherever it may be, you know, and, and police is involved, you know, I'll probably be fearful for my life, right? But I'm not fearful for my life in the same way which, you know, I think my parents' generation was um, with the things that they were going through and they experienced. Um, and so we're sort of talking about sort of how that difference of experiences and the settings in which you experience them in makes it difficult for that understanding between the various generations to happen, right? Where one generation, especially the older generation, would kind of look at our generation and be like, ah, y'all just weak, like, you know, ah, depression, depression, what's this thing you're talking about? Like, you know, ah, just move on, just move on. Like, no one is forcing you to feel this way, right? There is that mindset that some of them have. Whereas for us, I think it's like, no, we really want to get, and one of my friends, you know, they were sort of talking about, wanting to get at the roots of sort of a lot of these issues that we experience as a society. Uh, when you talk about things like racism and whatnot, um, it's not about just the racism where, you know, uh, a racist person is, is holding a gun to your head or is, is lynching you, whatever that may, whatever it may be. It's about the subtle racism and that there is a psychological component to getting to that more in your face direct form of racism, but that our generation is in a space where we are, as I said, we're privileged to be able to push for um, sort of the dissecting of the psychological part of this issue, of these various uh, issues that have to do with bigotry, right, and how we treat others in society, that we want to get the psychological root of these issues because we believe that if you can sort of deal with them at that psychological level, then you will have a much easier time to sort of deal and battle and stop the more direct instances of bigotry and racism and what whatever it may be. And I think for past generations, for older generations, for them, they're dealing more with, uh, no, there is this is direct, it's happening right in front of us. We need to do, that's what, it's it's more the physical component, right? That sort of the, the physical um directness of that experience of that bigotry and that racism that was much much more direct that's what they were trying to deal with the psychological part there wasn't the privilege or the room or the space to fully deal with that and dissect in that um and it's that sort of a toggle that that's going on between our generations but it, that's just a conversation i just wanted to uh, give you all and you know i had discussed with my friends and we were just sort of reflecting on all of our various experiences and how at times, having these conversations with our parents at times is a bit difficult because we're all coming from it from different point of views and landscapes and settings um, and even the psychological trauma and impact of these different uh, experiences. Um, we have responded to them differently and we are responding to them differently. And so it's about finding that cohesion where we can understand where each generation is coming from, but also respect the things that others, the previous generations went through and learn from them. Right. Um, and we also got into a conversation about sort of morality, right? This, this sense of sort of our generation feeling like as if you have this moral superiority um, than previous generations, which 
I think we were kind of saying it's not necessarily true. The values, in a way, have kind of changed, right? The values that are accepted in society have definitely shifted and have changed. But I think on the morality question, we have to stop seeing ourselves as somewhat more morally upright than previous generations. Um, rather, we should be learning from them. We should be learning from the things that they were doing and how they were trying to change society and move it forward and progress um, and learn from that those things and, and let that be what guides us instead of looking down upon them and, and thinking that they had a less of a moral compass than we than our generation does. I think our generation just has uh, much larger access to information, much larger access to various people of diverse backgrounds and whatnot because of the digital space and internet. And that is able to bring a new form of enlightenment. But I don't think that we should say that we are much better than previous generations in terms of our moral clarity. Um, maybe on the values, we've shifted. And it's it, we're definitely... we're. Uh, we're able to actualize and accept certain values that were not as accepted in the past. And we're actually able to say that we want these values to guide us in our career choices and our economic and consumer behavior. Yes, that I would say that it is a little bit, we are, our generation is a little bit different than the previous generations. Um, but from the moral point of view, uh, I think that we shouldn't think that we are more morally righteous and upright than previous generations. But um, I don't know what you would take of that. It was just something I, I wanted to touch on. Um, but also, hey, so I think it was about a week ago, um, there was a plumber uh, who was working on uh, uh, a toilet at Joel Osteen's uh, mega church. Um, uh, I believe it's called Lakewood Church. Um, and a trove of cash basically just, and checks, fell out of the wall as they were working on um, this toilet. Um, and it's hilarious because the guy is just like, oh, there was a loose toilet in the wall and we removed the tile. Um, and we went to go to remove the toilet. And when he moved, uh, he moved some insulation away, about 500 envelopes fell out of the wall. And it's interesting because, uh, back in 2014, Lakewood church, um, uh, had reported to police that they had lost $600,000 in a burglary. And police also believe that the money that was found um, in this toilet, uh, well, well, behind this toilet uh, by this plumber, um, actually uh, is connected to the $600,000 that was lost. Uh, but it's just interesting. I'm like, dang, who, who the hell stashed like $600,000 <laughs> of worth of money behind a toilet? brother like what six years six or seven years and just like did nothing like where they forget about it what they just do like i'm really trying to understand this story and it's just a bit bizarre because i'm like why would there be six hundred thousand dollars worth of cash and checks stored behind a toilet like out of all the places to store money actually maybe it's not that bad of idea because apparently it was there for you know seven about seven years, so maybe it is a great place to store cash if you need to in the future for references. Uh, but it's just a bit weird, you know. This church, this mega church, and this huge sum of money found there. Anyways, the guy, um, the plumber, um, actually uh, ended up getting a twenty thousand dollar reward, uh, you know, for finding this money because they have been looking for it apparently. But anyway, it's just want to talk about that. A bit bizarre, six hundred thousand dollars in a church. Praise God, you know, I was not the one who found it. Um, of course, I would have. Of course, I would have gave the money back to the church. I, you know what I mean. But I, you know, it's good that the guy at least got twenty thousand dollars from me. So he made, you know, 
a few bucks from 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 being a a good human being. But whoever you are that stash this money, guy, you're actually crazy. You're actually mad. You say poverty. This is your former customer calling you. I'm not available. Uh, but anyways, moving on. Um, so I was watching um this uh CBS 60 Minutes uh segment called um titled NFTs in the Metaverse. Uh, the internet enters a new phase, and sort of within this segment, they're basically talking about um NFTs and metaverse and sort of what's happening in this new internet phase and, and the digital world um, and sort of find a, a financialization of the digital space. That's the best way in which I would describe sort of what they were talking about, sort of this financialization of the digital space, um, whether you're talking about the idea of creating avatars and, and characters within places like Metaverse um, or actually the, the selling of different digitalized, uh, what I would call like memorabilia, if you will, in that way, or uh, different digital um Artifacts uh, or arts that are being sold uh, through process called NFT. Well, they are called NFTs, um, and sort of what's happening, and just all the different components of sort of just the financialization of the digital space. And on there, they have someone named Kathy uh, Hackle, who is basically a metaverse um, expert, and she was talking about how um, sort of metaverse is the convergence of sort of the physical as well as sort of the digital uh, world. Um, and that the physical world is finite, but in these virtual spaces, you can literally build your own worlds. Um, almost like as if talking about, you know, the digital world, the digital space is allowing for an extension of this world, right? A creation of an extension of the physical world that we currently have. Um, and it's interesting because there was just an article that was out that was talking about how, um, let me uh, read it to you. Uh, it's, it's from the entrepreneur. Uh, it's titled "NFT Buyers Drop 1.23 Million Dollars on Digital Land Next to Snoop Dogg's Virtual Mansion," uh, and that was an article by Ty St. Louis. Um, and basically, it's these three virtual estates neighboring a Snoop Dogg game space in the metaverse have been sold for a collective 1.23 million, with the most expensive space selling for 453,000 um, dollars. And Again, it's and it's so interesting to have seen that um, because it's like, how does a virtual space end up selling for half a million dollars, right? Um, like, what is this value that is attached in these virtual spaces that are being created? Um, and I think really it, it, it's about the idea that, um, and I think Kathy is what she was talking about, and she was talking about the physical world of night, is that what we have in the current in our current world in our current society is that the things which are tangible right the tangible things have been consumed as as much as possible right and they still hold value right the physical things still hold value but there's only a limited amount of it right and the digital world allows for a creation of things which are not tangible Right. And so the component that is involved in making sort of these tangible products is not needed in the digital space. Granted, when you when they make these different digital spaces, um, there's a whole bunch of computers which are actually um, actual physical computers, which are actually allowing for um, sort of the running of these different digital spaces. And all of those computers actually need 
energy to be run on. So there is a component of sort of the production of these digital space that is physical, right? You know, you can't have the virtual, I mean, you can't have the digital space without the physical world because the physical allows and actualizes for the digital to take place um, in the form of computers and then sort of the energy that's needed to help to run those different uh, computer facilities um, so that these transactions can actually take place. Um, but it's very fascinating. It's sort of seeing it's almost like a gold mine of the digital space and the and digital land. Um, and I mean, you have companies like Meta, or you know, known as Facebook, um, who are building their own virtual real- realities where you know they kind of hope people will soon gather as their digital avatars to play games, buy things, and interact with ads. Um, and it is again that financialization of the digital space about how do we expand business, how do we expand value in in a world where we have reached so much value like me the the financial sector has created as much value as possible i mean we're probably going to get to a point where there's some bubble that's going to hit because there's been so much value it's been extracted and it's been created out of nowhere and what better way to create value out of nowhere than a digital space i mean it's we live in a world where anything and everything can be attached to a certain level of value that is not intrinsic to that specific thing you know, when you talk about intrinsic value, uh, you are talking about, for example, like water has an intrinsic value to it, right? And that intrinsic value has to do with the fact that it's a use value. It's the usefulness of water. Water is an essential um, component of civilization and not only human existence, but just overall nature. Uh, the whole world relies on water. It's it has an inherent value. Uh, it's its use value. Um, you talk about, for example, gold doesn't really have, like gold doesn't have an intrinsic value. Gold is just a thing. It's just a, it's, 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 it's a component that is just a thing that really doesn't have intrinsic value. Like gold doesn't cure you anything. It doesn't cure you of a problem. It doesn't cure you of cancer. Um, it's just a thing that people like and because it's very shiny and it's because it's a limited supply. Um, so, People just attach it and give it value, but it doesn't have intrinsic value. It doesn't have much use value, really. Um, food has intrinsic value, right? Because food is needed. Food is something that you eat. You use it in order to survive. It's something that we depend on. Um, now, yeah, you could say the internet has intrinsic value at this rate because it's dependent on and it's needed and it's it's needed for the world to operate. So it does have some intrinsic value that's been attached to it. Um, but there's a lot of other things in this world that really do not have intrinsic value. We, the market system, society chooses to attach a certain value in it, but on its own, in its bare form, it does not really hold much intrinsic value. And it's the thing with these digital spaces, it's like, um, for example, now you have NFTs, uh, which NFTs are basically non-fungible tokens, um, which also, in a way, kind of means there's sort of these, uh, there's like one and, and only one kind of that original thing, but in digital form. Um, for example, uh, the CEO, or former CEO of, of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, sold one of his tweets. I think it was like his first tweet or when he sort of announced himself, you know, I'm the uh, CEO of Twitter or whatever. Um, he sold that for like, what, almost $3 million, however amount it was, as an NFT, right? It's it's it's, it's a digital asset that he owned and he was able to sell, sell that to somebody else who saw that there was value in it. Um, and so that's what NFTs are. It's just these digital assets or just digital memorabilia, if you will, um, that can be sold uh, through blockchain technology, which I won't really go too much into blockchain technology. I probably need to have somebody else who can describe it in full details. But in the simplest of form, 
blockchain technology. Blockchain is basically uh, it's it's basically like a public ledger that keeps records of transactions that take that have taken place on the internet. But such transactions need and must be validated by sort of these various computers on this ledger. Um, and the transactions, once they've been approved and validated and made, they cannot be reversed, and they're public for all to see. And so it's just a, it's a continuing. A uh, public record of these different transactions are taking place on the internet on, on certain networks, um, and so that's what uh, blockchain, uh, in essence, kind of is. Um, you can go read more about it, um, but NFTs are basically so through blockchain technology, and that is how also all of these different digital spaces are actually being bought um, and being sold and whatnot. They are being sold through uh, these blockchain through blockchain technology, and you have these different companies. Again, I talked about Meta. Who are creating these virtual spaces, right? Um, and you have other ones as well. Uh, there was this other company, um, I believe it's called Upland, which I was actually talked about within um, the CBS 60 Minutes uh, segment. Um, and they basically created what looks like it's, it's almost like a game, uh, the way in which it's, it's formatted, but they basically created uh, a digital uh, space um, where they replicated basically basically the global map, um, they replicated real-life addresses in the digital form, um, and you can actually go and buy up uh, different spaces. You can uh, So, like, if you want to buy the Rockefeller Center in New York, they will actually have it in this digital space, and you can go and purchase it. Um, and then that'll... And so you're just hoping that at some point somebody else wants to buy up that space, and then you can sell that space to them with a much uh, higher return um, than what you had bought it for. And so that's sort of what's going on, where there's this huge financialization of this digital space. And my thing is sort of like, what does that mean in terms of the value that's being created? Um, and it's it's literally like fake value, if you can think of it. It's it's value that has no basis in intrinsic value. Basically, that's basically how I'll put it. It's, just, it's made up value, which a lot of things in our world, in our economic system, it's, it's made up value. Society, we just end up agreeing that something has value, and we accept that, right? Um, but it's very interesting to see what's going on. Obviously, Snoop Dogg is involved in it, and Snoop Dogg is involved in almost about everything. Um, and they were also talking about sort of how um, sort of, uh, you know, there's also these different uh, glasses that I believe – Apple is is uh, has been working on, which basically allow for the existence of sort of a mixed uh, reality. Um, basically, like I'm walking on the street and I got these glasses on, I can basically be interacting with both the, the, the real physical, tangible world as well as the digital world. Um, and it's interesting where we're going. I mean, it's it's just this futuristic matrix reality that I, I think for a lot of us really didn't know when it was become reality but now it is people are buying up spaces um in in digital in digital uh worlds and digital realities um and they're being sold for a lot of money nfts are, i mean it's a it's a it's a crazy way of building and creating value in sort of the digital space um and you know what i wonder where that's gonna head to um i know travis caught had done a concert and um i, I believe it was uh, uh Fortnite, that game, he has done a, he had done a, a concert in there, uh, and that attracted I think it's millions of, of of audience and viewers for that, and so we are heading to really a, a new form of of way, a new form of existence. You know what? Um, I think there's some people who are probably scared of it. I'm kind of excited because I just want to see where it's going to go, um, sort of what 
it's going to mean for entertainment, what it's going to mean for how we relate to each other as human beings. Um, but now the, the financialization of these spaces to me is a little bit ridiculous. I don't know why actual virtual spaces are being sold for millions of dollars, but nonetheless, that's not my business. I'm not the one buying them. Uh, maybe I'll get into them at some point when I have that kind of money, but it's interesting. And I think, you know, we should just keep looking at these things and see where they go. But nonetheless, thank you for listening to uh, another episode of Bobby and Friends. And hopefully you come back and you listen to another one. Thank you so much. And you have a great day, morning, night, or whatever time of day that you're listening to this. Thank you so much.